up, dog? What up, dog? How are you? I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm fucking stoked, dude. Are you stoked? I'm fucking stoked, baby. If, if any if any podcast we do deserves a proper intro, it's probably this one. I think that you're probably right. I think yeah. that this is uh this is probably one of the more I'm I'm just I'm not even gonna bullshit with you, man. I'm nervous. No way. You're not nervous. You can't be nervous. I'm 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 straight nervous, dude. This is like uh, this is a big thing. You I know what I mean? Like, uh, I know, I know. I gotta, and I'm counting on you too. I'm counting on you to fucking to keep me level, to keep me sane. I am, bro. When we do, when we do this interview today, um, okay, all right. Uh, head in the game. Uh, proper intro time. Welcome to the Lifts and Riffs podcast. My name is Schuler. And my name is Zach from Death Comes Lifting. And today we are talking to, go ahead and introduce him, Shul. I'll let you do today, it. We are talking to Rob Barrett, longtime guitarist of my favorite death metal band of all time, Cannibal Corpse. Our favorite death metal band of all time. The band we get sidetracked on more than any other band on this podcast. And we manifested him onto this podcast. The last episode is probably, probably going to be released after this episode. But I think it was, was it the Summoning the Lich episode? Whichever episode we were talking about having Cannibal Corpse on, I said it would be really sweet to talk to Rob Barrett. I think that was the one. Um but I, I can't I can't really remember. Everything's a blur now. Yeah. But y'all go back and listen. You'll hear you'll hear us talk about having Rob Barrett on. And then two days later it was like, hey, Rob Barrett's coming on. So I'm stoked. I'm stoked to get Rob on for, for a couple of reasons, right? First, um I I haven't seen him doing too much press for, for the new album cycle for Violence Unimagined. Um, and you know, a lot of times I, like, I love Alex and I love Paul and love corpse grinder. Um, but those guys are typically the most vocal presence in the band, you know, um, lots of interviews with them. They always put themselves out there whenever they're doing promo for new stuff. But Rob, on the other hand, you don't seem to hear quite as much from, and I, I, you know, that's one of the reasons that I'm super stoked to get him on, but also, like consistently, um, since he's been back in the band since Kill, um, Rob's songs that he contributes to each Cannibal Corpse record are consistently some of my favorite Cannibal Corpse song. Me too. And uh, I am super duper stoked to get to talk to him a little bit about that. Definitely. Um, Definitely. See like where he's coming from and just talk about other shit with Rob Barrett too, man. Cause he seems like a chill dude. He seems like a cool guy. Like I've watched, uh, I've watched the cannibal corpse DVDs, like fucking uh, global evisceration. Um, the retrospective DVD centuries of torment. Like I've watched that shit a million times. And Me like, too, I, I think to myself, what a cool dude, man. What a good dude. Yeah, He's so cool. I want to talk to him about horror movies and like shooting guns and stuff. You know, I'm sure yes. you have a lot to say about that. It'll be cool. I want to hear about shooting guns. It's been it's been a hell of an enjoyable week, man. I just immersed myself in all things Cannibal Corpse in preparation for this. Listen to the new record. It's been a lovely time. 
watch the uh, making of Evisceration Plague on YouTube. It, okay. it, I love that. That's one of the best, dude. Then that it it that honestly that might be my favorite Corpse Grinder era Cannibal Corpse record. Now that I I listen to them all, that is that is my. I do believe, like, and see, if you'd asked me, like, two weeks ago, my answer would have been Evisceration Plague is my favorite record from that lineup, and I'm pretty sure that I've, I've said that to you before. Pretty sure you have. But, uh, but in the last, like, week that I've been listening to the new Cannibal Corpse record and diving back into their old shit, yeah. like, that, I think, has changed. Uh, um, it's understandable. But it's just, like, they... They're such a consistent band, man. There's no bad Cannibal Corpse record. There's no subpar Cannibal Corpse record. Uh, they wrote the fucking blueprint. There's nothing for the, There's no form for them to return to. You know what I mean? Like this is, this is their world. Um, sure. And and for me, like it doesn't it doesn't get any better than that in death metal. And so I, I like I can't tell you how stoked I am. Me too, man. And I'm I'm stoked just listening to the new record. I listened to it once, and then I listened to it again, like with the whole book and everything, and. The, the songs I was digging the most without even knowing that they were Rob Barrett songs were Rob Barrett songs. They're the, my three favorite songs are his songs on this record for sure. Not even just saying that. The last, yeah, no, like for real. And, and there, I think Rob's songs are typically the most immediately catchy of a lot of the, the stuff, especially these last three records, right? Yeah. Um, they, you know, the, the first single, the first single for this one, Inhumane Harvest, that's a Rob Barrett song. Uh, the first single for the last record, Red Before Black, that song was called Code of the Slashers. That's a Rob Barrett song. Um, and then you go back to like Skeletal Domain, uh, Ice Pick Lobotomy, and um, Killer Become, both Rob Barrett songs. So both like fucking main, mainstays in the live show. Like he's just a fucking, he... I think really brings a lot of, especially with the dynamic when he was the, the guitar player with Pat O'Brien in the band. Cause Pat had a very technical style. Um, a lot of the stuff that he was doing was, you know, um, unconventional, I think sort of Pat and uh, Alex, I think were sort of pushing the envelope for technicality with the writing in Cannibal Corpse. And I think that one of the, the cool things about Rob is that he is such a grounding force um, in the writing style of this band like as part of that collective with these dudes who are writing all this crazy shit it's not like rob is writing simple shit by any stretch of the imagination but like by cannibal corpse standards like with the usual technicality that that is so central to their songwriting i feel like his stuff is the most immediately accessible um and i think that that's it's it's also the stuff that you can get most involved in like physically like fucking head banging and shit like that and i think that's represented by the fact that all of these songs are are mainstays in in the live performance. Like Rob Barrett's songs get the fucking crowd going, man. It's huge. He keeps Cannibal Corpse down to earth and keeps them and keeps them back to their roots. I feel like is what's happening. I've always and, and like we've talked about this before. I grew up with the Evisceration Play Kill lineup of Cannibal Corpse. I so I know Rob Barrett as like the Cannibal Corpse guitar player, you know. And I've I've never known any different. And I'm so stoked to hear him on this record. And he, it's cool to hear Rutan, but it's really cool to hear him and Rutan trading off in, in places a lot. And how he, you know, because Webster wasn't there for the recording of this. He did it all remotely from because he was in Portland. So I feel like Barrett 
might have been in a little bit of a weird position with just him, a new a, a guitar player he's not used to playing with, even though they were friends and produced the last record and everything. And I'm sure they were familiar and everything, but. Oh, yeah, they're they're very they're, familiar. They're, they're tight, but still, that's a, a new experience for him and Paul. And from what I understand, um, when, the, when the other guys write, they, and you would know more than me probably, but from what I understand, when the other guys write, they program their own drums and shit. But Barrett jams with Paul. I did not know that. I I thought that. Um, so the last the last really in depth look at their writing process that I got was with that Evisceration Plague DVD, where you see mm -hmm. them walking through um, how each of the band members demos the shit that they're gonna do. They did some. Uh, there were like some webisodes that they put out. Um, leading up to the release of Torture of them okay. recording that record and writing that record. Um, I have, I, maybe it's because I don't have a physical product to hold on to, but I've, I've forgotten about a lot of the stuff that was in those videos. But I do, I do remember thinking it was super interesting the way each of those three principal writers, um, well, each of those three, I guess like writing dynamics, because, you know, up until now, the majority, I think all of Pat O'Brien's songs he wrote the music to and then paul wrote all the lyrics to those yeah, right right so i kind of consider them like the same songwriting unit and then alex on his own and rob on his own um seeing the way those three different groups sort of prepare their shit like in pre especially when they're getting ready to give it to corpse grinder to just yeah. come in and fucking crush like that to me is is really interesting so it'll be it'll be interesting to see like sort of what that live writing dynamic between Rob and Paul is like. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm interested to talk to him about it. Um, feel like may maybe did he feel like he had to fill in for the for you know fill in shoes for Pat O'Brien because as a as a guitar player or was he just steady doing his own thing? I don't know. Yeah, I'll see. I mean, I, I I'm nervous to ask questions about Pat O'Brien, so I'm not going to do. It. Yeah, I like I um. I was really bummed out with the the response on the whole by the death metal community about what went down with Pat O'Brien. Do we really even know exactly what went down there? Just based on what we do know, um, or based on what I think we can infer. If you look at the nature of the situation and you look at his history, um, the fact that I, I, as far as I know, as far as I can tell, there are no other incidents like that in his past. Um, and given the fact that this is a guy who, spent, you know, if you're, if you've got like some sort of crazy dope problem or something like that, that's the kind of thing that's real fucking hard to hide when you're in a touring band like Cannibal Corpse. Um, yeah, because you're surrounded by people for massive stretches of time, massive masses of stretches of time at a time, um, and if 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 he if he was hiding something, I think that they probably would have known. Um, and these dudes care about each other. I think that they would have probably tried to intervene. So, given the fact that he didn't have any prior experiences like that, and the fact that this seemed to come out of nowhere, um, that leads me to believe that this is more of a mental health issue um some sort of crisis that he found himself in and like a lot of people who in a situation like that you know the the response is ugly and dealing with it is is ugly but the best way to help a person with that is to be supportive right and i don't i don't think that we saw a whole lot of support 
uh, from the metal community writ large. Just a whole bunch of jokes about play with meth and this is what happens and shit like that. I don't think he was even on fucking meth. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, there's a lot of stuff that we don't know. And while I am curious, I do respect uh, his choice for privacy. And just like you, I'm not planning on asking uh, Rob any questions about Pat, just because that's, that's their business. And if they want to share that with us, then when the time is right, they'll do that. Um, but I am very curious about how the writing dynamic in the band has changed. Definitely, yeah. Undeniable that Pat was just a huge presence in that band during his time there, uh, from Bloodthirst on especially. I think he had like one or two songs on Gallery, but from Bloodthirst all the way up until uh, Red Black, like absolutely indelible mark on that band's legacy. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see sort of what shifted around regarding the principal writers in the band without that that big presence being there and i think that we can probably get to that in conversation without having to be like so do you miss yeah. Pat? you know what i mean like oh, I, definitely definitely yeah. i think i'm definitely interested in the creation process of this um just because those two as guitar players i mean from from kill to red before black i mean they they forged their own sound that whole that whole era like we talk about all the time that's the shit so yeah. Think how they see this record in comparison to those. Well, I, I remember being super bummed out um, when Jack Owen left the band. I thought he left on a high note. I absolutely love the Wretched Spawn. Oh, yeah. Um, I respect him for bowing out because he, you know, like he said in multiple interviews since he left the band, like his heart wasn't in it anymore. And he, he felt like the band and the fans deserved somebody who was 100% on board. Um, was super bummed out about that. But I remember when I found out that Rob Barrett was coming back, I was super fucking stoked and I was really interested in what kind of dynamic to expect from these two guys who are replacement guitar players in Cannibal Corpse, right? Rob Barrett and Pat O'Brien, neither of those guys were there for the inception of the band, but I feel like their writing um, over the years during the time that they were in the band, like, and for Rob, both different times that he was in the band, I feel like their writing style came to really define a lot of what we what we see as like the Cannibal Corpse sound these days, um, and so yeah, like it's it, it was it was a, it was a weird thing to be like, how are they gonna you know like Pat replaced um, Rob originally, and then Rob comes in to replace Jack, and Rob and Pat are together. Like I just had no expect, and of course when Kill came out, I was fucking floored. Like everybody who heard that record um strong record dude kill kill yeah kill was like and that's the thing I, i'm not gonna say it was a return to form i don't think that's really a fair like i think that kind of undersells the records that came before it because they were good yeah, um good. i i i would call it like a, a metamorphosis like it was cannibal corpse becoming sort of a new beast um and a very efficient one that had gotten so good at writing and I say this on this podcast sometimes and it's it's one of my it's one of the things that I respect the most about a band and I think it's one of the things that's hardest to pull off is when a band can take this really technical complicated uh detailed dense songwriting and make it fucking catchy you know what I mean and make it look easy there's something about that that is just amazing to me and like that that for one reason or another I feel like is one of the hardest things off in this genre and they were definitely doing it before Kill, but I feel like Kill just really fucking nailed down that formula that got them to where they are now. 
And then they just continued that, obviously, with the next three or four records that came after that. Oh, yeah. And this is no exception. I mean, I'm not talking down on, on the new one at all. The more I listen to it, the more I like it. It definitely is a grower. It definitely has groove, uh, especially the Barrett songs, obviously. I mean, like, super, super catchy. The fucking the opening track, Murderous Rampage, I mean, that's up there with, like, some of my favorite openers that they have. You know, It's hard, man. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, and I want to ask Rob about this, that is the first collaboration um, lyric-wise, I think, that he did with Paul. I, I, I'm going to have to check. I, I don't know I for think, certain. I think so. I think it is. But typically Rob, typically Rob comes in, like, since, I guess, Absolute Hatred was the first song that he did all of um, on Vile. Uh, and typically Rob's songs are like all Rob, you know, except for uh, on Evisceration Plague when the, I, I think Scalding Hail was like an on the fly studio collaboration between like Alex and Rob. Yeah, which is um, <laughs> But it'll be interesting to see. I don't know, like if he, I, I don't know. I just want to pick Rob Barrett's brain, man. Me I too, man. To like, I'm really excited. I've been listening to nothing but Cannibal Corpse since we knew about this. Yeah. Speaking of Vile, I went, went back and listened to Vile. And I, that, it's, that was probably like my least listened to Cannibal Corpse record. And I fucking loved it. Dude. I mean, there's no bad Cannibal Corpse record. I don't, who are we talking to here? Vile puts you on your ass, man. I like Vile. Dude. Vile. So like my first record, my first Cannibal Corpse record was Bloodthirst. And I, I worked my way back from there. Um, and that, at the time, that was their most recent record. Uh, but I remember getting to Vile and being like, this is this record is too much because I feel like I, I feel like maybe Chris Barnes felt when they brought him those songs and they were just like, there's too much going on here, man. Like, maybe, yeah, fucking, that's a good way. To this is some that. dense, complicated shit. And, I, you know, at the time, that was super daunting for me because I wanted the catchier stuff like Unleashing the Bloodthirsty or going back to like Hammer Smashed Face, um, the same way I Skull Full of Maggots. Su yeah, super catchy shit. I was sick as fuck. But yeah, that, but the, well, the cool thing about Vile I and mean, then Gallery of Suicide, I also think is, is, has this quality is that they're so rewarding on repeat listens. You know, there's so much that you get from those things after going back to them. You know, Gallery of Suicide, for me, I've been listening to that record over 20 fucking years, man. And going back to it That's in the last cool. few days, finding all kinds of new shit that I like. Well, let's hear what Rob motherfucking Barrett has to say, bro. Is he there? Hello. Schuler. Hello. Schuler, that's that's me, Rob. How are you doing, man? Oh, hey, what's up? I just I pressed all those numbers for the Zoom chat and then I just heard a bunch of music for like a minute and I was like, "What where the hell is he?" <laughs> yeah, that's our uh that's our theme song. Did you like it? Um, it sounded like elevator music. <laughs> That's like the Zoom hold music. Well, uh, yeah, I'm Schuler. Um, I I've I've been in touch with uh, with Metal Blade. Got this. Got you to come on. We're super glad to talk to you. With me today also is Zach uh, from Death Comes Lifting. We have a podcast called Lips and Riffs, um, and we are. All right, hey, what's up, guys? Hope everybody's doing well. Oh man, we're doing great. We're so honored to talk to you, brother. Thanks for being here. Cool. Well, thank you. Yeah, man. So. Uh, pretty big day for cannibal corpse would you say yeah i mean uh, i guess it's being dubbed as vu day <laughs> i like that um dude 
I have seen nothing but absolute fucking raving about violence on Imagine. Uh, it's got to feel good to have that kind of feedback. Yeah, especially being, you know, in the whole game this long, you know, usually bands will kind of like burn or fade out. And I think we still have that staying power pretty much as strong or stronger than we ever did, really. I mean, the momentum for this record is astonishingly great. Everybody seems to love it. Yeah, I mean, and it was definitely a big, a a whole lot of excitement leading up to it, too. Um, And that's kind of where I wanted to dive in um, regarding, like, the creation of the record. You know, there was a, there was definitely a change in the writing dynamic, um, up to this record with some some shifting around regarding musicians and things like that um how did you did you approach this one any different than you did records in the past like was there anything that you were trying to bring to it that maybe you hadn't before or what was what was uh what was the plan leading up to this one for you specifically well i mean we were going through some you know obviously there was some issues going on within the band before we started recording this one. So we were going through some, some, I don't want to call it drama, but we just had to make a hard decision that we didn't feel like we should have had to make, but um, you know, we had to get through that. And then at that point, you know, we just started writing the new record And the process was pretty much the same as always, except for, you know, like back in the older days, we used to write songs together. Like when I first joined the band in the 90s, we would actually all get in the room together pretty much, you know, minus the singer, at least when we were writing music and write songs together. But when I rejoined in 2005, it turned into like everybody was just writing their own songs separately. So, I mean, we pretty much approached this one as we usually do. We just had the new dynamic of Eric being part of the writing process, but we just all wrote our songs individually as usual. As as longtime fans of you, you know we're we're big fans of your songs that you contribute to this record and the and the past records. Uh, how was the dynamic for you changed working with Eric instead of instead of Pat, who we were talking before you came on that you and Pat really forged this cool sound together on Kill Through Red Before Black. So how what was your mindset and process like going in to make this magic with with Eric? Uh, well, first off, thanks for the compliment. I appreciate it. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it was just, uh, it's just two separate personalities, you know? I mean, Eric's really easy to get along with, and um, he's a big communicator. Like, he communicates very well. And, um, <clears throat> you know, so it was just a very positive vibe all around, you know? Like, we, we get along great. We've known each other, you know since before I was even in Cannibal Corpse. So it's just like a longtime friend becoming part of the band. So it it wasn't even any sort of vibe like this is the new guy at all to me. You know, we've known him for a long time. 
So I would have to say that, you know, the difference would be just more communication and um, just just the element of us um, communicating more probably causes a little better chemistry. And I like I think that that's something that you can feel when you listen to the new record as well. Um, There's definitely like a lot of I I, I keep seeing these uh, like people saying that it's like a return to form. I don't really know what that means because I don't feel like you guys have ever left the form that you created. Like I I feel like Cannibal Corpse has continued to push the envelope and push the boundaries of 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 your own sound throughout the course of your of your career. but there's definitely sort of a, I feel like this album coheres a little bit better than the past couple. Um, and one of the things that I think really anchors and, and, and brings it together is, is your songwriting, which has steadily increased over the last couple of records. Um, it feels like in a, in a songwriting like group like Cannibal Corpse, right? Where you've got Alex, uh, you know, formerly Pat and now Eric, doing this super technical shit, sort of like pushing the bounds of where the band can go. I feel like your songs are often the grounding, like uh, the things that are catered for, for, for the headbangers, right? Um, your songs are absolutely crowd pleasers. Uh, they are always a part of the live set. You got one opening the record this time. Um, do you consider yourself to be sort of the, the more accessible writer in Cannibal Corpse? Like, is that something that you intentionally bring to the formula or does it just turn out that way? Well, I mean, I feel that that's my role at this point, you know, because over the years, the sound of the band has progressed. And when I rejoined the band, it had progressed to a point where like a lot of the music was like overly technical, you know, like it was purposely being written you know like stuff that was just really hard to play on purpose (laughs) (laughs) and um you know it was really hard for me to learn a lot of the material when i first rejoined because it was like the style had progressed into this like very hard to play kind of material so i feel like my role is to just pretty much like stick to you know try and keep the older sound intact within the band amongst all the this this newer material that's like the the progressive era i guess you would call it (laughs) well well that's cool man and uh if i'm not mistaken you uh please correct me if i'm wrong i uh your songwriting process is a little more old school than the other guys too right i heard that uh when you write you come up with a riff and you jam with Pat for the drums where the other guys program their own drums on the computer and shit. Uh, with Paul, you mean? Oh yeah. Yeah. Paul. Paul. yeah. Well, yeah, I'm just, uh, I mean, I've had pro tools for years, but I just don't have the brain power or the patience to like actually sit down and learn how to use it properly. So I actually, uh, whenever I want to demo stuff, I always have to ask a friend to come over to help me record stuff. But, um, you know, I just feel like I am a little more, um, I wouldn't call it, uh, old school, really just like, um, not as advanced as the other guys, you know, Eric's (laughs) a producer, it's Alex, 
using Pro Tools for years. So I, I just feel like I guess I am old school in that way where I'd, I'd rather just go and like put the songs together with Paul because I've just been used to that. That's just been the way I've written songs forever. I think that comes like from getting in the room with the drummer. That's always the way that I've written songs is, you know, get together with the drummer and put the song together. Speaking of working with Paul, um, if I'm not mistaken, so you guys did uh, the opening track on the record, Murderous Rampage. Was this your first um, collaboration with Paul where you did the music and he did the lyrics? No, nah, there's been plenty of that over the years. I think Encased in Concrete was probably the first one, maybe. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, that one, I wrote the music and then he wrote the lyrics to that one in case the concrete there there's probably a couple more um we have so many songs though i can't really think of any more right now yeah yeah uh, it's, I, mean, it's, I think it's, we're at over 150 songs now so <laughs> yeah dude there's a shitload of cannibal corpse material and that you know it's you've been present for like a whole lot of that stuff but then there have also been these times where um, you know, you weren't in the band and then there was, you know, they were still generating stuff that the fans have really enjoyed and that's still part of the live set. Going back to the Global Evisceration DVD, um, I remember you mentioning, I, I think the song was Scattered Remains, Splattered Brains, um, that you really enjoy and play in that on that tour and it was one that they hadn't played in a long time. What are, uh, what are some of the songs that are either from before you joined or that were recorded when you weren't there that you're really into playing live? Um, well, wow, I would uh, think because, I mean, we juggle so many songs around over the years. Like, we'll, we'll replace certain songs with other ones for different tours just so we're not playing the same set all the time. But, um, yeah, I really enjoyed when we put Addicted to Vaginal Skin back into the set, like probably five or so years ago. That was really fun to do that one again because we hadn't played it live since before I rejoined the band. So that one was really fun to be able to play again. And let's see. Wow. There's like... I would have to really think about, you know, because <laughs> there's so many songs. It's just like hard to keep up with all of it. Yeah, it's I can I can only imagine sort of what goes into the planning of a live set, like having so much to pull for. And, you know, it, it, we've got to talk about live music a little bit because it's been so long since anybody's seen any and everybody's dying for it. I, for one, can't wait to see you guys tour this fucking record whenever that may be. Um, what goes into the planning of a live set for a band like Cannibal Corpse, where you've got so many eras to represent and so much music to choose from? Yeah, it's, it's starting to get really tough now because, I mean, there's we're 15 albums deep at this point, and we're usually playing an 80-minute set, so we have to cram 20 songs in there from out of over 150 now. So it gets to the point where, you know, we have like this certain, like at least 12 songs that are kind of like the essentials that we feel like, you know, most of our fans would be disappointed if they didn't hear that song live. 
you know, like every time they see us. Uh, it's getting to a point where like we're we're just juggling, you know, like four to six songs around just to make the set different every couple tours or so. So, uh, yeah, we basically play probably, you know, 15, 14 songs, you know, that are mainstays in the set over the years. And then we'll throw in, you know, four or five new ones from the new record. And then we just try to juggle it around so then it's about the same set for like the whole tour cycle. You know, we'll ju- we'll swap out a couple old songs for a couple different old songs like that. Yeah. And so with uh have you guys been able to like practice much? Like what's what's COVID looked like for you? Um, you know, a lot of a lot of bands have not been able to get together. A lot of bands have even even when recording, a lot of that stuff's been done remotely. Um, how has the whole pandemic treated you personally and sort of in Cannibal Corpse as a band? Well, I mean, in like pre-COVID, it, it was basically, you know, at the point where we got Eric into the band, um, it was just pretty much Paul and, and me practicing together, um, putting together the songs that I wrote music wise, um, Eric has his studio that he has to run. So he basically, um, Eric wrote his three songs by himself and just, you know, recorded them with a drum, drum machine or whatever he did. And, um, I just got together with Paul. Obviously Alex lives over in Portland. So he recorded all his stuff by himself and just sent it over to us to learn. And then um, he just, he flew down uh, sometime in March for a week. That's usually what happens nowadays since he moved. He, he'll come down like a month or two before we start recording to show us his material, and then we show him his stuff so that he could tab it out and everything to practice it and learn it. So, yeah, like the whole COVID thing, I'd say it affected us in a way where, like, we just, we were pretty much doing the same thing that we've been doing aside from I just haven't been going to practice since we recorded the album. You you and uh, Paul both still, y'all are both still in Florida? Yes. Have you have you lived in Florida all your life? No, Paul and Alex and myself are. We grew up in Buffalo, New York. Okay, now I I knew the other guys did. I wasn't sure if you'd grown up in Florida or or not. Um, but I am I am curious about like uh, having lived in Florida at this point for as long as you have. Do you have any favorite Florida man stories? <laughs> no, none that I could really come up with. But, you know, like. I'm not one of them spur of the moment story guys like George. He'll just he'll talk to you for an hour about stuff like that. I think it's I I just can only imagine like the, what it's like to sort of have these things in the paper like down the street from where you live every day. I honestly I think that my favorite Florida man story is not actually a Florida man. It was like this dude in Texas, and uh, yeah. he was like. 
he was like at an outdoor bar and somebody said, this is an outdoor bar, like on the edge of a swamp, right? And somebody saw a gator in the water um, and they don't jump into the water. There's a gator down there. And the dude said, fuck that gator um, and jumped into the water and died. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, I don't think that that's not the kind of shit that only happens in Florida. I mean, there's dumbasses everywhere. Very true. <laughs> Very true. But like, they just don't have gators everywhere. <laughs> I feel like fighting an alligator is a particularly fucking brutal way to go. And like on that note, um, as far we, you know, we've talked a lot about your writing as, as far as music goes, you know, what you bring to the band instrumentally. Um, how do you approach the lyrics to songs to uh, to Cannibal Corpse songs at this point in your career? Like, do you do you have like certain things that come up where you say to yourself, I want to explore that topic at some point in the future? Or is it sort of a spur of the moment thing? Like, how do you put lyrics together? Yeah, it's usually either, you know, I'll try and focus on a subject that I find interesting, which is usually something where, you know, somebody's getting killed or dying somehow. And <laughs> I mean, that's like the main subject revolving around the band's lyrical content pretty much so yeah usually i'll just like think about all right what do i want this song to be about and then pretty much focus on the topic and then you know i'm just trying to come up with some catchy vocal lines that fit the music well and you know i'm just trying to write songs nowadays where it's more like the traditional metal arrangement kind of approach you know, like, um, you know, not verse, chorus, verse kind of shit, but, you know, just where riffs return a couple times, you know, like there's a lot of older songs where you know, a really good riff that we have is only played one time in the song. You know, I figure, hey, if it's a really good riff, you should play it at least twice, maybe three times. But, um, with the lyrics, I just try to find an interesting subject and, you know, get some catchy vocal lines to fit in with the music. It took me a while to adapt because, you know, when I used to write lyrics before in this band Solstice that I used yeah. to sing and play guitar in, it wasn't about, like, the gore stuff. It was more like reality lyrics. Yeah, yeah. Big. So it took a while for me to adapt, but I think I did all right. I mean, yeah, it, it's just something you need to you just jump into, and hopefully it works. I notice, um, I notice that zombies are a recurring theme in the songs that you like. Like, what, uh, what, what source material are you drawing from there? Are you a big zombie movie fan, or you you read zombie fiction? Like, where's you that know what? Actually, I've I've been steering away from the zombie uh, content, you know, like I was jumping on that for a while at first when I started writing lyrics after I rejoined the band, because that's what, you know, I, I always thought like, all right, well, what's Cannibal Corpse all about? And I, I was just like, you know, getting inspiration from the earlier records where that's what it was mostly about was zombies. So I, that's why I was jumping on that subject, at least back then. But now I've been trying to, you know, to move on to other stuff. Yeah, the, the lyrics you wrote for the new record, like uh, spe specifically uh, Follow the Blood and um, 
those they they're very realistic lyrics you know there's yeah. no like horror fantasy it's like real life horror which in a way makes it a lot more fucked up and a, and a lot more scary so where do you draw inspiration from that do you just turn on the news and get pissed off <laughs> or uh, what you trying to channel something <clears throat> well i mean with follow the blood that's that's basically like a um a wartime setting you know like it's it's like a battle scenario where you know somebody gets attacked and it's like a hit and run thing and then you know they end up like trying to get away but then you know the ones that got surprise attacked that want to go get revenge so they follow them yeah, that's a badass song, man. Yeah, their asses handed to. Yeah, dude. Like, yeah. I, I, it, I feel like a lot of the, it's, a lot of the like phrasing that you are doing. It's interesting to hear you say that you, you think a lot about sort of a catchy vocal line because I do feel like the songs that you write the music and the lyrics to are particularly catchy as far as the the, the vocals go. Songs like uh, "Follow the Blood," uh, "Killer Become." Um, definitely Humane Harvest, um, that being the, you know, the first song that was released for this record. Um, and so to, to know that you like actually aim to do that, I think is, is really cool to hear. Well, yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, that's what I'm trying to do is just write catchy songs. I'm not like trying to play overly difficult music, you know, like those days are... <laughs> behind me at this point i just want to play stuff that's fun and catchy yeah and i mean it's it fits it fits very much into cannibal corpse's vibe at this point and it's like you said it, it captures a lot of the essence of of different parts of the band over time and i feel like it uh really sort of blends into the the newer stuff as well um well yeah with inhumane harvest that one like really kind of randomly came to me the uh like the lyrical content of that, the concept, if you want to call it. Like, <laughs> I just remember we were on tour and one day Eric Rutan was like telling me, yeah, man, this one fan was like talking to me. And, you know, at the end of the conversation, he said something like, yeah, man, if you ever need like a, a, a kidney or something, you know, let me know. I can hook you up. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I'm thinking like, all right, is this guy like saying that he's willing to like do a transplant for you if you needed an organ, or is he like in the in the fucking black market to get you one from somebody else? You Pretty know? fucking badass. So that's where that like i mean i was jokingly saying that to him like man what the fuck's up with this dude is he like you know willing to give one of his or willing to go take one for you I so think that's probably... where that i it came from and that's when i started looking up to the whole the uh organ trade <laughs> yeah man like that's a real thing it's for sure well, yeah, that's it's definitely something that's happening all around us every day. One of the things that I, you know, Cannibal Corpse is, you guys are fucking legends at this point. You have been for years. The biggest name in death metal. And all of the, I say all of these things to say that, like, America is one thing, but then abroad, when you guys tour, when you guys tour, like, South America, when you guys tour Asia... You guys are fucking rock stars. And so to hear like somebody offering, even jokingly, like a kidney or whatever is one thing. 
Um, but like, what are fan reactions like around the world when you guys two are outside of America? Is it all like super extreme and crazy like that? Or is there any place that's more chill? Uh, it's pretty much the same everywhere, really, you know, it's, I mean, people that are into our music show up and, you know, there's a lot of them that actually want to try and hang out with us. So they're waiting around all day. <laughs> So it's like, it's the same everywhere, man. Well, that's something that was always so cool about you guys. I grew up, you know, listening to your music as a kid, trying to fit into the metal scene and all that stuff. Like you guys were always so nice. You know, you're always hanging out outside your bus, either before or after the show. And you're always more than willing to take pictures with a bunch of kids. And we'll ask you stupid questions, I'm sure. And all that. And you, you guys... And I, or and especially uh, Alex and, and you have very great memories of, of meeting you guys. And I just want to say, I totally appreciate that. And I can still tell that, that that's what you're doing. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, um, I'm glad that you appreciate what we do and we appreciate everybody that, you know, still shows up to fucking, you know, support us because we never thought we'd be able to last this long, but you know, apparently we still have it. So we're going to keep doing the best we can to, you know, stay on the map here. Well, what is the secret as you guys get older? I mean, you're getting heavier and faster with your music. So what, what do you do to, to stay, you know, up and at them? Like, do you have a physical? Well, I mean, there's some people that would disagree to that. You know, I mean, I've already seen some people saying, oh, they haven't done anything different in 10 years but whatever, you know, like, I mean, everything sounds the same to some people that aren't really into the music. Right. Yeah. But to answer your question, I mean, this is, we've been doing this our whole life, man. You know, like what, this is what we know, this is what we do. So we're, we're pretty much just taking the same approach to the music as did when we were kids. It's just like, the 50 whatever year old version of it <laughs> it's fucking crazy man like it is, it, is, it it really is you guys entire lives that you've been doing this that's fucking insane to me that's so sick yeah i mean shit i've been i started playing guitar in 85 <laughs> wow man so you so, yeah uh, you've been playing guitar for a really long time and you know past projects that you've been involved in uh solstice malevolent creation um and now you know cannibal corpse there is an, a a wide sort of variation of of musical styles across those bands um do you have any other projects that you're involved in these days like do you get the urge to write stuff that doesn't really fit in cannibal corpse and if so what do you do with that yeah, I mean, there's been some stuff that I was messing around with here and there. Um, I had a hardcore project that I was working on for several years that saw the light of day. Um, so there's just 15 songs of music sitting around with no vocals on it. And, um, you know, I was just, we were trying to get a singer and it just never came together. So I just, put it on the shelf you know i just figured well maybe someday i'll just do vocals on it but it's like how many years later sometimes other stuff gets in the way and it just never saw the light of day so yeah as of right now i'm just focusing on cannibal corpse and 
that's enough for me. I mean, it's a pretty big load, I would think. Well, yeah, I mean, um, not so much lately. I mean, we've just been sitting around waiting to be able to work again. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I don't understand this, you know, like you could have like sports events where people are basically spitting in each other's face, but we can't play shows. Is, I, I feel like we're in like this really weird sort of transitional period where things are getting better, like people are getting vaccinated and people are starting to, you know, the, the CDC is saying that there are people, there are ways that you can relax like outdoors and indoors regarding all this shit. But I, I still wonder like how long it's going to take the industry, like booking agents and stuff to really get to where they're ready to put money on the line to get bands out on the road. Um, and then, you know, like worst case scenario, nobody shows up, you know? Yeah. You know, the whole music industry got screwed over this whole situation, but you know, then you look over at other business, um, entities and they could do whatever they want. It's business as usual. Like we got, we got stripped of our uh, ability to be able to work. Yeah. It's, it is, it's, it's crazy. And I think that probably the, the thing that it reflects most to me is just how fucking unprepared we were for something like this. Uh, it, it seems like everybody just sort of shit their pants and panicked. There was no sort of like, like you said, there was no like uniform response where, you know, everything that, that involved like a certain kind of gathering in public got shut down or whatever. It was sort of selective. And again, here we are rolling things back out at, at different speeds, you know, regarding things like sporting events, regarding things like live music. So, that you know, hopefully, hopefully, like towards the end of this year, I mean, I would love this year um, to start seeing, you know, bands getting back out on the road. And I, I don't think it's impossible, but at the same time, I know that a lot of people are sort of hesitant to start booking shows just yet. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's just... Uh... I don't get it, you know, like all these big sports events still do their thing, but we can't do what we do. What's the difference, you know, like who's getting paid off? You know, like the the big sports entities, you know, they're like considered essential. Oh, well, people need to watch sports, you know, like (laughs) people need to fucking watch shows too, man. That's important to people. Yeah. Uh, yes and you can tell that people are fucking foaming at the mouth waiting for bands to get back on the road and i yeah and this is the longest time that we've ever gone not playing a show ever like since the band started yeah that's that's what i was about to ask like you've you since you've been sidelined from playing music um throughout the whole pandemic and since you've literally been doing this your entire life like are you going stir crazy? Like, what have you been doing to fill your time? Well, just writing new music. I mean, the best thing that I can do, why not just get prepared to have new material for next time we record, you know? Nice. And that's the best way to spend this time, you know? I mean, if I'm just stuck here not being able to do anything else, why not just write new stuff? Yeah, I mean, it's, it seems like a pretty fucking efficient way to look at it. Um, what, but like, what else do you do? What else do you? What what fills your time, man? Like, what's what are you about outside the music? 
not really much else than music. I mean, you know, these other guys have hobbies, you know, like Paul plays in a hockey league where he plays ice hockey. Alex goes backpacking and hiking and, you know, outdoors kind of stuff. George likes to fish. <laughs> He's yeah. a fisher. <laughs> yeah. and, Fair enough. You know, Eric has his studio, which keeps him pretty busy. And, um, yeah, I just, um, you know, I just do the music thing whenever. Whenever you're not yeah. doing other shit. Love it, man. Love yeah, it. I, don't, I don't have any other hobbies, really. Well, apart from like writing music and, and recording music, like what are some of the what are some of the bands that you're still listening to? Like, obviously, there are those great inspirations that you guys had when you were younger, the things that made you want to get into it. But like, what's the music that still excites you when you listen to shit now? The same stuff that excited me when I was younger. <laughs> That's fucking awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I can't really name any newer bands that are really like, wow, man, these guys are, you know, like, awesome. I'm sure there are a lot of great bands, but I'm not one of those types that's like, you know, searching for new music all the time, like a lot of people, which I guess, you know, that's like, not cool, kind of, you know, because I feel like, I'm not really supporting new bands by doing that. But I mean, usually when there's like somebody that's really killer, somebody's going to tell me like, dude, you got to check these guys out. And then I'll check them out. If somebody like refers them to me. But well, at this point, I'm just content with listening to, you know, the usual Sabbath, Priest, Maiden, Slayer, you know, that kind of shit. Never speaking did. of speaking of that we got us we'll come back to that here in a little bit we got a super important question that we always end the podcast with but we got a, f a few other things to go over first if that's cool um yeah with with the new bands you know there are there are so so I, I feel like death metal at this point is so prolific and so widespread that you know occasionally you'll get the opinion that the the scene is sort of stagnated or something like that. I, I disagree with that. I feel like death metal is more active than it's ever been. Um, being that you have been a part of this genre and have been leading this genre for so long, does it surprise you that this style of music, not just Cannibal Corpse, but death metal in general, does it surprise you that it's had the kind of longevity that it's had? Actually, no, because, I mean, I noticed a, a while ago just like, you know, bands like us and other death metal bands that were able to bring out smaller death metal bands on tour, it just, it made the scene grow bigger and bigger over the years. And we actually like saw that while it was happening. You know, when we first started touring in the early nineties, there, I mean, there weren't thousands of death metal bands like there are now, maybe like a hundred or so. Yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely expanded to the point where, like, it's not mainstream, but it's just not as underground as it used to be when we first started out, that's for sure. If I'm not mistaken, I don't know about, uh, I don't know about um, the new record just yet, because it's only coming out today, uh, but the last record was in the top 40, was it not? Like the fucking Billboard top 40? 
Yeah, I think it may, it might have debuted for a week or two, like when it first came out, possibly. Like, I don't, I, I'm not 100% sure. Like, shit like that's not really important to me. At this yeah, point. I know. Like, but, uh, yeah, you might be right. Ultimately, like at the end of the day, nobody who makes this kind of music, especially nobody who's been making this kind of music for as long as you have, is really going to give too much of a shit about that. I do think but it's just sort of a really interesting indicator of how widespread and how passionate the, the fan base for this kind of music is, you know? Um, well, yeah, definitely. You know, just the fact that a death metal band could chart on billboard is impressive. I'd say the first time that we ever made it on there, it was like a big deal to us because that was like for the vile album. It, it debuted at, like 151 on top 200 and then it disappeared like the next week <laughs> but i mean just the fact that you know it was on there was like i think that might have been a first for a death metal band and don't quote me on that but at least for us it was our first and you know it was a big deal back then even though it was 151 i mean nowadays like a death metal band could, you know, probably be in the top 20, you know? Yeah, I think so. Like, it's it's definitely also a reflection not just of how how death metal has grown and been sort of a mainstay amongst really passionate fan base, but also a reflection of the music industry in general, where the sales of albums just, you can't really compare that to where they used to be. Yeah, and, and I think that, um, you know, partly you could uh, look at the fact that t certain festival tours that we did like sounds of the underground and mayhem fest and things like that, where we're playing in front of crowds that wouldn't necessarily even know about us. You know, they're going to see another band, like, you know, whatever other bands are on the bill that year. Like we've toured with bands that are very different sounding than us. And I think that's what has gained a lot of death metal fans by, you know, us getting out there in front of crowds that wouldn't uh, necessarily go to a death metal show. And I think that's what brings, you know, like we're not um, less, any less underground than we used to be. I think we're just pulling the mainstream towards us. I, that's like the that's the perfect way to phrase it i think um because you're right like it's not like you guys are doing anything different regarding the creation of the music or sort of your your aspirations regarding like you know the commercial performance of the music like that shit's going to do what it's going to do uh but it is interesting to see how like you said the mainstream has sort of gravitated towards this more extreme uh style of music that was really sort of written in defiance of that and it's it's just been a really interesting thing Having, you know, I've been listening to, to this style of music since the 90s. I've been listening to Cannibal Corpse specifically for, for a really long time. Um, and so to have seen that change take place just over the course of my lifetime has been fucking like it. It keeps me excited. It keeps me interested. Well, yeah. And, uh, you know, just to reiterate us, you know, those decisions for us to do uh festivals like that instead of doing our own headlining tours which we usually do around stuff like that anyway because you know a lot of our hardcore fans are like oh they're playing with you know 
all these other more commercial bands. I'm not going to go see them there. I'm going to wait until they do a headlining tour. That's fine. You can do that. But, you know, our decision to do these, you know, bigger festivals, I think it's actually, you know, broadened the, the death metal scene by us doing that. You know, that's why these are decisions that we made. It's not like we're, um, you know, deciding like, okay, we want to go more commercial. No, we're the same band that's getting up on stage and we do our headlining tour as when we're opening for fucking whoever, you know, is headlining the Mayhem Fest that year. It doesn't change us as a band. We're just trying to like draw more people into this kind of music. And I think we succeeded doing that. I agree, man. That's why we love you guys. Like, you can fucking count on Cannibal Corpses, the most consistent act in this style of music. Like, you guys are guaranteed to to. As far as I'm concerned, like, I'm 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 not blowing smoke up your ass when I say that. Like, I have never once had a doubt about whatever coming next from you guys being anything less than fucking stellar. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, the whole band appreciates anybody that appreciates what we do i mean that's why we're able to keep doing this and we're just trying to stay consistent with what we've been doing the whole time i mean there's plenty of tractors that are just saying oh they're just rehashing the same shit over and over but to us we feel like we're sticking true to our roots you know like a lot of bands over the years, they get bored with what they're doing and they decide, oh, you know what, we're going to re we're going to reinvent ourselves now. And then they sound totally different and their whole fan base, like pretty much quits on them, you know, and it's like, oh, you fucked up there. <laughs> but, but then again, you know, it does work for other bands, you know, like look at Metallica, they could do whatever the hell they want now. Yeah, I know, right? Metallica can Metallica can put out a fucking record of fart noises and people are going to buy it. I mean, I'd buy it, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I mean, they're definitely one of the biggest bands in the world, in the history of the world, you know? At this point, they probably are the biggest band ever. Yeah. You know, they're just so huge. And they're definitely a main influence on my guitar playing, at least the first three or four records. That that is a supernatural progression yes. into the 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 grand finale of this podcast. Uh, first off, man, thank you so very much for talking to us today. Uh, we love the new record, Violence Unimagined. We're huge Cannibal Corpse fans. Specifically, your writing, I think, brings something really interesting and unique to the band. Uh, from somebody thank who's you so much, guys. I appreciate that. Oh, yeah. Thank you, man. We got we got one question for you before you go. And it's a super important Wait, do question. You have, do you have a uh, firework sound effects? The, the grand finale. Come on, man. We got to, uh, we got to put that in, in post. We're going to get yeah, our you gotta, to put you that gotta throw that in. We will. All right. You ready? Yeah. All right, Rob. It's been a pleasure talking to you, man. We got to ask you the most important question we'll ask you all day. And that is what is your favorite black Sabbath record? Well, right off the bat, I'd have to say sabotage. No shit, that's my favorite too, man. We don't get that answer too often. Yeah, I mean, awesome. Hole in the Sky and Fuck The yeah. Rift. Like, every song on there is just 
it has a real haunting vibe to it. And, um, yeah. you know, Tony Iommi did some weird shit with some, some sort of fuzz effect or something on there. Like I just remember listening to that on cassette when I was a kid and I would always have to stop the tape and pull it out real quick during certain parts. Cause I thought that the tape was eaten up, but it was actually just like, it was some effect that Tony was using somewhere on there. And it just made it sound like the tape was getting munched up. But, uh, yeah, Sabotage, definitely off the top of my head, even though there's some great Sabbath records. Like, I'd have to say, you know, I would throw in Mob Rules as a second because I love the Dio stuff, too. Yes. Cool. Did, uh, did Sabbath have a uh, specific influence on you as a guitar player growing up? I mean, they, they had to, right? Well, yeah, the, the hugest influence for sure, right from the beginning, right. like even before I started getting into Maiden and Priest, it was Sabbath yeah, and Deep Purple and, you know, like even earlier stuff, the Yardbirds and um, Thin Lizzy and stuff like that. But uh, Sabbath was by far like, you know, the heaviest sounding stuff out there at that point in time and maybe even still. But yeah, just the fact that um, it it was always very dark sounding, and uh, I mean they definitely have some jazzy stuff, and like certain parts where wow, just out of nowhere it sounds all happy all of a sudden. But I mean, only Sabbath could get away with shit like that. Definitely yeah, yeah, right. steered me in that direction of wanting to play darker, heavy stuff, though. That's really cool. knowing. Knowing that Sabotage and, and Black Sabbath have played a big role in, in creating the, the music that Rob Barrett has brought us over the years makes me happy, man. Thank you so much for talking to us today, Rob. We really appreciate it. Yeah, that my top three right there, Sabbath, Priest, and Maiden. That's what makes what I do what it is. <laughs> If anybody who is listening to the podcast who is not familiar with those bands intimately, hopefully they will be inspired to check them out now. Well, thanks a lot for the interview, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, Thank brother. you so much for talking to us, man. We, uh, we love your work. We hope that Violence Unimagined is huge. You guys get back out on the road ASAP. Thanks again, dude. Yeah, man. Hopefully we'll see you out there as soon as we can. We'll be there, bro. When you're in my city. I'll be at your show. All right, guys. Take care. Thanks, uh, Rob. Have a good one. Rob. All right. You too. What a good dude. <laughs> we do that going in, man. Rob Barrett's a solid dude. Rob Barrett from Cannibal Corpse loves sabotage. I was going to say. Are you fucking kidding me? Come on, man. That touched me deeply. I didn't I even know. Think. I was sitting there watching your face. I knew that you were just melting when you heard it. I did. I was like, hell, man. I, I wanted to talk to him about sabotage for an hour, but, you know. I want, one, one of these days, we're going to have like a, a podcast that's just about Cannibal Corpse where we get other people to come on and talk about Cannibal Corpse, but then we can also have one that's just about Sabbath where we get like legendary musicians. After, this is after everybody knows our names and motherfuckers are clamoring to get on a list from this podcast. Yeah. We're going to be like, uh, you, incredible guitar player with a massive legacy of your own, tell us what you think of this other band. Yeah, right. And that's all we'll talk about. So it's not weird. 
they don't have to talk they don't have to answer any of the normal questions about <laughs> albums and stuff or you can just talk about sabbath and hanging out which that was really <sighs> cool man that was that was that was fucking great to talk to Rob. that was great you did a good great dude job. you were not nervous no i don't think I, I i think i did okay i think i i don't think that i punished rob barrett too greatly um i don't think i did either i think we were all right man. hopefully he does not regret the way he spent his afternoon certainly a highlight for me man i appreciate you i love you that's fucking this is cool that was great. Homie. i love you i'll talk to you soon if Peace it was out it's i thought it was impossible for me to love sabotage more until today i just want you to know that now did you did well did you fucking pre-order the new version yet oh yeah as soon as you sent that to me i did it oh man i uh i'll in 10 years from now when they put out another one i'm gonna buy that motherfucker too me too man We'll talk about it. Thanks, bro. Holla. Fist bump. Later. Bow.